Good morning and welcome Christ Church. It is so, so good to be back with you this Sunday morning. My name is Heather DeBoer and I work with our students here. And so it is my great privilege to see Christ work in the lives of our young people. If this is one of your first times joining us this morning, I wanna say welcome. Even though we can't see each other in person, know that this is a community that will wrap their arms around you and love you and welcome you in. And so I wanna say that again, you are so, so welcome here. Now, one passage that I've been focusing on recently is Psalm 27.4. It's a Psalm that David wrote and he says to the Lord that he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he says, let me gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Now together, church, let's gaze upon the beauty of the Lord this Sunday morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome in the Lord. Welcome in the Lord with great joy. Welcome in the Lord with joy. David praising the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly in 1 Chronicles 29 says this. He says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, Lord, yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything on heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power. To exalt and give strength to all now, God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Let us worship God by singing these great hymns of our faith together.
Friends, will you join me in a word of prayer? Eternal God, you do not change. You have revealed yourself to us in your word. We have seen you moving in our communities. Your creation cries out to us, guiding us to your person. You call us to worship you in spirit and in truth, but we confess that we often worship not your true self, but who we wish you to be. We too often ask you to bless what we do rather than seeking to do what you bless. Forgive us for seeking affirmation when we should be seeking guidance. Forgive us for the ways our worship shapes you into what we want instead of shaping us into what you want. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us to meet you here this morning, that we might bow before your unspeakable majesty and so live for you now from this day forward. Amen. Friends, may you hear the good news of the gospel that God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he has made us alive together in Christ. In Christ, by God's grace, we are saved and forgiven. Praise be to God.
Will you pray with me? O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we thank you for the gift of faith worked within us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for having called us to yourself, for consecrating us to your service, and for granting us the sacred ministry of prayer. We pray particularly today for your peace and guidance as we seek to be your ministers in a world that is in turmoil, burdened with illness and injustice, division and fear. Help us to be ambassadors of your mercy and love in a world that is ever more divided. Lord, in your mercy, hear this prayer. Today, Lord, we pray that you would come to our aid as the coronavirus continues to spread in our community, our nation, and around the world. Heal those who are sick. Support and protect their families and friends from being infected. Grant us your spirit of love and self-discipline so that we may come together working as one to support those who are most vulnerable in our communities. Grant to us the humility we need to be willing to sacrifice our own comfort for the sake of others. Lord, we pray today for those in our community who are feeling lost and alone. We pray for those who are mourning a great loss, for those who are overcome with grief and fear. We pray for those who are struggling with mental health for parents trying to sort out childcare while working at home, we pray for teachers who are trying to come to terms with the school year that's fast approaching. Lord, we also pray for those who have been and continue to be harmed by systemic injustices. In your mercy, guide them to a new season of thriving. And now, Lord, we come to you praying as your son taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Well, welcome to Christ Church, friends. We are thrilled to be worshiping alongside you this morning, even if it is remotely. My name is Steve Noble. I have the privilege of serving on our family ministry team here at the church, and I would like to extend a special welcome to those of us who are joining us for the first time in our online church this morning. If you are new here or if you've just never really felt like you've connected here at Christ Church very well, I want to encourage you to, to, to hit the new here button on your screen. It should be right above me over here. And if you're on Facebook, I know our online hosts are dropping a link in the chat right now. So we would love to connect with you. Hit that link, send us a note, and let us know how we can be of service to you as you get connected here at Christ Church. 
Now, you may know this week was the first week that we had an opportunity to worship together in person on our campuses. Um, We gathered remotely in the parking lot, socially distanced with our masks on, and we gathered and just sang worship to God. I can't tell you how much of a joy it was for my soul. I didn't realize even how much I needed this community to worship together. We are going to do that again. We would love to join you or to partner with you in worshiping together here at our Oak Brook campus and at our Butterfield campus at 645 this coming Wednesday. Please join us. We would love to see you there. We will be socially distanced. Bring a chair, bring a blanket, bring a mask. And if you're not comfortable yet joining in person, please join us on Facebook and lift your voice together with us to our Lord. Something that we at Christ Church have been particularly impressed by recently is how many emails and phone calls we are receiving from people asking just how can I help? How can I serve my community? So as a church, we'd love to pass along to you a service opportunity from one of our incredible missions partners. Our friends at World Relief need help. Um, World Relief is a Christian mission organization that works, to, works with refugee and immigrant populations. They work to help them get settled in America, help them get settled with uh, church families and people who will just be their friend and welcome them and help them to feel at home here in the United States. World Relief needs our help. Um, they have many worship or many service opportunities for us. Uh, so if you are interested, go to Christchurch.us forward slash serve near. It's on the screen right here, and our online host will drop it in the chat for you as well. But visit our website, and we would love to connect you with World Relief. They have a need for online volunteers. You can be an English teacher or just a friend, a friendly face digitally for some families who are some of the most um, vulnerable in our community right now. You may or may not know this, but at Christ Church, we have over 80 missions and, and ministry partners that we are continually f- working together with to help serve the most vulnerable people in our community and in our world. And in this season of coronavirus, our help, your help, is more important than it probably has been in a long time. And so as a church, we want to just affirm you and encourage you that you are making a difference. By being a part of our church community, by giving and supporting the ministries of Christ Church, you are also, by extension, supporting and encouraging many people around the world who just need help. And so as a church, as we enter into a time of generosity, as we consider giving to God his tithes and our offerings, I want to encourage you to just pause. Be still in the presence of God for just a moment while our musicians play and consider what does it look like for you to give your time, your resources, and your, your skills to God. Let's give to God his tithes and our offerings.
Good morning, Christ Church. It is good to be with you this morning on this side of the camera. As usually right around this time, I'm on the other side hosting one of our numerous chat areas. And I'm telling you, over the last several months, it has been a joy to have a front, uh, a firsthand seat to the community that has developed every Sunday morning in those chat areas. And so today, if I seem a little twitchy or a little sad, it's because I'm missing that community there. But this side of the camera, I have the joy of bringing the word to you today. And it is a great privilege to be here for that purpose. Those of you who know me know that I thoroughly enjoy photography. If you, if you know me personally, you see me walking around with my camera quite a bit. If you were in fact at uh, this past Wednesday's uh, outdoor worship that we hosted here, you saw myself and my daughter walking around with our cameras. If you follow me on Facebook, you see my photos inevitably post up um, all over the place. It's just the kind of what I do. I love photography because it helps me to slow down. And it's something my wife and my daughter continually try to get me to do, especially walking or it seems odd, but driving with them as well. You see, if you want to capture a good picture, if you want to capture a picture that, make, that helps people see what they don't normally see, you have to slow down. You have to pause. You have to be present to what's in front of you. You have to work the shot, as photographers say, and notice where the light is coming from. Notice the patterns. Notice special features. Notice repetitions, curves, angles. And then place yourself in the right place to spot, to frame, to share and capture the beauty that is there. But so many miss the picture right in front of them because they are not looking for it or simply are rushing by it. We all do that, don't we? We miss the beauty that is right in front of us because we are so preoccupied with life. We're so preoccupied with our to-dos. We're so preoccupied uh, with what, how we believe life should be and it is not going that way. We're so preoccupied with our own perspective, our own point of view, that we miss the beauty and the beautiful pictures right in front of us. As I reflect on the Apostle Paul, I think Paul would have enjoyed photography as well. We find time and again in Paul's writings that he wants us to understand that there is a different way to see life. More so, notice what Paul wants us to truly see in Jesus. In Colossians, Paul writes, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. From the depths of our souls, Paul wants us to realize that Jesus is the image, the picture, the icon of the God who cannot be seen. You really want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is your ultimate true picture of what God is like. But there's an issue according to Paul. There's an impediment from truly seeing this picture and the way of life we're invited into by Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God will ever get. And because there is this issue of us that see things clearly, here in Philippians, due to the conflicts as, that were happening in the church, we've seen how Paul has been working the shot for us to help us see the way of Jesus beyond our own perspectives, beyond our conflicts, beyond our divisions and disappointments, beyond how we normally frame our lives. And throughout this series, it's our hope to help us work the shot, to see the picture of the way of life and calling that each one of us is invited into as followers of Jesus, no matter what might be going on around us or inside of us. So far, Paul has helped us to see we are to love the church, to understand and picture how we are called to be holy, to be set apart and used for the goodness of God. Paul himself shows us a picture of what a faith-filled, courageous life can be like under extreme conditions. Don't forget, folks, when you read and when we read together Philippians, Paul is writing from a Roman prison. He's writing from a Roman prison, this very encouraging, upbeat, faith-filled letter, a Roman prison. Yet what does Paul keep in front of his heart and mind in this Roman prison? The picture of Jesus' life as his own. Paul said, as we know, for me to live is Christ. In fact, Jesus is mentioned 61 times in 104 verses. Paul wants himself and he wants us to keep that image of Christ in front of us. Last week, Pastor Pete shared so powerfully that to follow Jesus is to enter into a cycle of submission where others' needs are considered before our own, where my rights and freedoms are curtailed for the community, where I lose my life to gain it in the way of Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus in me in and through these extreme circumstances. Paul is not only telling us that, but he's given us a picture through his own life. Because Paul wants us to know that my life as a Christian is a lived expression of the way of Jesus. Now, as you might remember, Paul is already in the habit of encouraging people throughout his letters. In fact, Paul typically concludes his epistles with a whole list of names, people mentioned by, imagine that you receive a letter at your church and the Apostle Paul mentions you by name. The encouragement that would be to you. Paul is in a regular habit of doing this. So this next section of Philippians is not unique for that, but it is unique in that Paul interrupts his flow of thought and basically starts talking about two dear spiritual heroes of him that he knows well, Timothy and Epaphroditus. He does this not at the end, but in the middle of the letter. Now at first glance, it seems out of place. But when you slow down 
and really take in what Paul is doing, you see Paul is providing for us two living pictures of what he has been teaching thus far in this very encouraging letter. Because we need to understand that my life as a Christian is a lived expression of the story of Jesus. Paul writes in our key passage for today, Philippians 2, starting at verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, and I also hope may, and that I also may be cheered, excuse me, when I receive news about you. Verse 20, I have no one else like him, like Timothy, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. See, Timothy was supposed to be going back to Philippi from Rome, but Paul explains that he can't release them just yet. And one of the formational points we can glean and notice about Timothy is his concern for others. And not just a surface concern, but it's a deep, genuine concern. In fact, Paul says here that Timothy, unlike many around him, looks out for others' interests first. And in so doing, is an example of the way of Jesus. Now, doesn't that sound a little familiar? Remember last week, Philippians 2, 3 to 4? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul is lifting up a picture of Jesus, and he's lifting up a picture of Timothy, and he's saying, do you see a resemblance? Do you see a resemblance? Timothy here in his concern for Paul and others is looking a lot like the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. Paul continues in verse 22, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Paul goes on to say, notice Timothy's faithfulness, unlike the others. His proven faithfulness as a son to a father. Timothy is one of Paul's closest traveling companions. We first meet Timothy in Acts 16. So in total, we see the growth of this mentoring relationship over the span of 20 years in the New Testament. And one of my favorite tidbits of the life of Timothy goes back to his family of origin. His father was a Gentile, and his mother and grandmother were Jewish. And there was something very special about these women. Most likely, they came to Jesus through the ministry of Paul. So there's that special connection. And then we find Paul encouraging Timothy in 2 Timothy with these words. I remember your genuine, genuine faith, Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and filled your mother Eunice. And I now know that same faith continues strong in you. There's a lot more to be explored 
between the relationship of Paul and Timothy. And in fact, you can download this week's study guide for this sermon. And I've put a, an extra special link in there that takes you to an article written uh, through Fuller Seminary. And it expounds on this beautiful relationship between Paul and Timothy and how deep and how rich it is. I encourage you to download that study guide today. And I encourage you to dig in to that article by Fuller Seminary on Paul and Timothy. Because there's a richness there. And you will be encouraged by that. Not only that, but you'll brush up on your New Testament history as well. And I think we all need to do that. Paul then turns to another friend of his who provides another picture of how my life as a Christian is a living expression to the story of Jesus. In verse 25 of our key passage. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, says Paul, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For Epaphroditus longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Verse 27, indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only him only, but also on me, to spare my sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you will be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now, unlike Timothy, this is the only place in the scriptures where we meet Epaphroditus. And we find out that um, Epaphroditus was sent to Paul from the church at Philippi to bring Paul a gift of support while he was in, in prison, of support and encouragement. And doing so, we can infer from the scriptures uh, that, that Epaphroditus was a leader in the church of Philippi. Someone they trusted to take the resources collected and given for the benefit of Paul. Someone who they trusted to make this long, arduous journey from Philippi to Rome. And again, if you've been reading Philippians or listening these last several Sundays, you're hopefully starting to hear parallels here, even in the little section I just read. Paul is doing it again with Epaphroditus, holding up images of Jesus, holding up images of the way of life we are invited into because he wants us to see that us as Christians, we as Christians, me as a Christian, is a lived expression of the story of Jesus. And here we see Epaphroditus, through Epaphroditus' self-sacrificial love and his love for his home church, did you catch that in verse 26? How he longs to be back with his home church. Remember week one of our series? Remember what that was? Love the church. Here Epaphroditus is saying, I love my church in Philippi. I want to get back to them as soon as I can. Also notice specifically the powerful picture offered through Epaphroditus. That sounds really familiar to verse 30. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. 
He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me, Paul tells us about Epaphroditus. And again, sound familiar? It should. A few weeks ago in chapter 1, we heard Paul say something very similar. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will, ha- but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going on living in the body, this will mean faithful labor for me. And in Philippians 2 last week, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Paul is helping us see how the way of Jesus looks, lived out in the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Both are faithful to their assigned tasks. Both are faithful to these tasks despite tremendous hardship around them and in them, actually. Both reflect Jesus to everyone around them because they are submitting their own privilege. They're submitting their own ideas. They are submitting their own uh, desires for the benefit of others, for the benefit of a Paul, for benefit of the church. Both of them are loving the church and loving Jesus in the way they put others' needs ahead of their own. Epaphroditus and Timothy are truly heroes of the faith. They are heroes of the way of Jesus. Now my guess is we know heroes such as these, don't we? In the everyday moments of our lives, we've come across people like this. In fact, right now I encourage you in the chat area to type the first name of someone who is a hero, a spiritual hero for you. Just type their first name. Who is that someone that helps you see the way of Jesus lived? Someone who may be teaching you the word. It may be a friend. It may be a parent. It may be a pastor. It may be a Christian author. It might be a neighbor. But when you look at their life and you hold up their life and you hold up the life of Jesus, you see a resemblance. And you're saying, yes. That is how I should be living. Type that name in there, in the chat area right now. And someone type these names for me. I want to take part. I told you I was missing it. I want to take part in the chat as well. So someone type these names for me. Peggy, Ann, Harry, Mark, Jason, Linda, and Lauren. I'll say it again because I really want you to type these. Peggy, Ann, Harry, Mark, Jason, Linda, and Lauren. These are heroes to me. And in fact, these people have been meeting all during this COVID season at 1230 every afternoon. They pause in the middle of the day, and many of them, even when they're out doing errands at Chick-fil-A, picking up lunch for the family, they are calling in to pray with one another via Zoom. They're heroes. Their heroes for you, their humility has been awe-inspiring. And I don't think there's a day that goes by that we don't hear someone say, you know what, I really don't live into that the way I should or the way I desire or the way I see in Jesus. 
Can you pray for me for that? And we pray for each other and we pray for you, Christ Church, and we pray for you and maybe those of you who don't even know Jesus yet. You don't have those words, but you are being prayed for, especially by these heroes that I just mentioned. Now, as you see and you read these names populating the chat, we see we are surrounded by heroes of the faith. But bringing this closer to home for us, we have a bad habit, I believe. We have a bad habit of keeping a life like theirs and of keeping a life maybe that Paul is expounding on here in Philippians at a distance from us, either by excusing or negating or discounting ourselves from that invitation, from that possibility. But please don't miss. Don't miss what Paul so longs for us to capture and to see in this beautiful letter to the Philippians. And his use of these two heroes that he showcased for us today, Timothy and Paphroditus. Because he longs for us to see my life as a Christian is a lived expression of the story of Jesus. That means, that means each and every one of us is called to be a spiritual hero. Each and every one of us is called to be a spiritual hero. Paul has been working the shot for us to see that that picture of us as a spiritual hero is possible. So I ask by way of encouragement, not guilt, please hear that. I ask by way of encouragement, not guilt. If someone were to take a picture of your life and hold up your life next to the life of Jesus, would they see a resemblance? Would they see a resemblance? Would they see Jesus reflected in your life as Jesus is so clearly reflected in the life of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus? Are you living a life worthy of the calling, Paul said earlier in this book, and becoming a hero of the faith? Now, this is what we call sight for the journey here at Christ Church because there are specific steps we can take to become a spiritual hero. And the first one is that sight for the journey. It's where you are clearly assessing your life in relation to the picture of Jesus we have in the scriptures and the life that we're called into. How does your life match up? And it's when, again, you hold your life up beside Jesus' life, not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of the same longing that we've already heard in Philippians, where the Apostle Paul has said, for me to live is Christ. That is what I want. We are longing to live in a way that is worthy of the calling of Jesus. Now, most likely, and I know this may shock you, as I do that even, as I hold my life up next to the life of Jesus, I go, oh, yeah, there's a little bit lacking here. A little bit lacking. But that's why the next step that we go into is training, as Timothy did over the years with the Apostle Paul. We enter into training, and you confess that, yeah, I do not look like Jesus. That's a good thing to confess that. Again, not out of guilt or shame, but out of a hope of saying, I don't look like Jesus yet. 
but I'm now going into training and arranging my life in a specific way so that six months from now, I look a little more like Jesus than I did today. And then at that point, you again cite for the journey and you say, you know what, this is looking a lot more like Jesus, but now this is being exposed and this doesn't look so much like Jesus. So then you arrange your life in a specific way so that can happen over the days and the weeks and the months and the years. It's a process. It's a process. Pastor Pete reminded us this last week, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that God has done for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. True and proper worship isn't necessarily just coming to a Bible study, just coming to a church building. I know we're longing to do that. That only takes us so far. But it's offering my very self to God and saying, God, I'm giving you my whole self because, Paul continues in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, we're looking at the world, we're looking at Jesus, we're saying this doesn't look like Jesus, so I am going to jettison these ideas from the world so I can have this. And notice, it's not me doing it, but I'm being transformed. So as I submit myself as a living sacrifice, God is stepping in by his grace, by his spirit, to transform our hearts, to reshape us, to look more and more and more like Jesus. That's what training is all about. And then you get, as you go into training, you begin to equip yourself because you begin to see that Jesus wants every aspect of your life. There's no aspect of your life that doesn't come underneath the reign of Jesus and the control of Jesus. So you begin to equip your life for kingdom principles in all areas, your marriage, your parenting, your business, your hobbies, your work, your finances, you name it. It is all now being influenced by the Spirit of Christ. And it doesn't take long in doing this that you realize, I can't do this alone. I am like so overwhelmed right now. And I have this hind spot, this blind spot that I have a hard time seeing and admitting. And that is where the last step is we need partners for our journey. People who can be lovingly intrusive into our life. I have people around me that say, Haskins, you know what? I have to tell you this in love. And because I know they truly love me, I listen to them. And so there's a partners for the journey. And it could be a small group leader. It could be a small group community. It could be a pastor. It could be a spiritual director. It could be a good Christian mentor. Someone that you're partnering with to say, you know what, I don't look like Jesus. I've noticed that. But I want to. Can you help me look more like Jesus? That's what spiritual heroes do. Epaphroditus didn't go at it alone. We know that. Timothy didn't go at it alone. Paul didn't go at it alone. Jesus didn't go at it alone. And maybe you will finally realize that you're no Jesus. And you can't go at this alone. So you need that community. You're no Jesus, but you are taking steps to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That is what Paul is telling us. 
because he so longs for us to realize my life as a Christian is a lived expression of the story of Jesus. Imagine if we all were focused on becoming spiritual heroes in the way of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Where for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Imagine the impact that would have on our families, on our workplaces, on our friends and our neighbors as we live the way of Jesus so they could truly see the image of Christ flowing from us. Imagine if we became the spiritual heroes, Jesus submitted himself to the cross for us to become. Imagine you being celebrated as a hero of the faith because you know that my life as a Christian is a lived expression of the story of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and who you are in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the beauty and the complexity of your word, of how you continually bring us back to images of how you desire us to live, of who you desire us to become. Lord, may we take your word to heart and may we live in the way of Jesus. Becoming the spiritual heroes you long for us to become. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, it truly was good to be with you this morning, and I could think of no better way to leave us today than returning to the scriptures and returning to the image that Paul wants us to see.
Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. May it be so. And may the people you come across this week see the image of Christ in you. Amen. Have a beautiful week.